0: The story. We made a commitment early on to say whatever the future holds, we will live it well. Every day we will seek to live well, we'll make a commitment, even the dark days, to live it well. And there was lots of hope that in fact the treatment would be appropriate and in extending Jenny's life, but uh, no treatment was long term successful.
1: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and welcome to The Story. Once again, we're looking at the questions, what would you do if your spouse is diagnosed with a terminal illness? And what would be the best way to spend your remaining time together? Pastor Bill Brown unfortunately found himself in this situation when his wife of over 30 years was diagnosed with a debilitating illness. Today, he shares how their faith helped them make the most of their remaining years together. Bill Brown is chatting with Eric Scadabo.
2: Brown. Welcome to the program. Thanks very much, Eric. Great to be with you. Now, that must have been tough, because here you are, you're a pastor, helping people grow in their faith,
0: but meanwhile, you're going through pain and grief on a daily basis. Yeah, and certainly, uh, I don't come as an expert today, but simply a fellow traveler um, experiencing lots of things that the people that I care for and encourage go through day by day. And you got through the experience, and how long has it been now? Uh, it's been just over eight years since Jenny died, and uh, I continue to value the, the influence and the inspiration of her life in my life uh, each day. Okay, so we want to talk about your remaining time together and how you spent that time, but first, let's go back to how did you meet, and what is the, the Bill and Jenny story? I was uh, on teaching rounds at a state school in Melbourne, and Jenny was a year 11 student. We didn't uh, have a lot to do with each other, actually. Oh, she was a student. She was a student. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, but a few uh, weeks after that, I actually met her at the Sindal Baptist Church. Were you She'd, the pastor? Uh, I wasn't a pastor then. I was teaching. I am the pastor now. Mm-hmm. But she was uh, one of the young people in the youth group, and so we were part of the young adults at Sindal Baptist. And then when did it grow into a relationship? Okay, well, we were uh, engaged around 1973, and then... No, 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 there had to be a little bit more. You didn't just get engaged. <laughs> well, we, we started to... What part
2: of love story are you not understanding?
0: <laughs> well, we were part of the youth uh, group together, mm-hmm. got to know each other, shared some time together, uh, got engaged, got married in 1975. Okay, yeah. and like we said in the introduction, you were together 30 years, and you have children... Uh, We have four children, three boys and a girl. Uh, They're all grown adults now. The oldest is 40, the youngest is 31. But, uh, yeah, they were still in their teen years and early 20s when Jenny was diagnosed. Take us to that day, what was that like? Well, she had been quite unwell for a period of time. Her mobility was limited, and then in January 2005 was diagnosed with uh, multiple sclerosis, and uh, during that following year, there were quite a number of times in hospital. Uh, there were uh, adjusting to medication. She or I needed to uh, give her an injection every second day. And uh, there were the periods of really challenging times through that year, adjusting to that. And things seemed to be improving, but then early in 2006, she was also diagnosed, well, her mobility was uh, very limited and uh, ended up in a hospital in April and uh, a week of tests led to her being diagnosed with multiple myeloma on the uh, the night before Good Friday. Oh, wow. So kind of went from bad to worse. Yeah. Uh, there's no uh, reason why it should have happened. Just one of those things. Are where, they related? No, they're not related. Not related at all? Not related. And in fact, uh, the... The specialist wanted to check that he hadn't missed anything a year earlier. Mm. Uh, multiple myeloma is a blood cancer, uh, no, no cure at the moment. Some people have it for quite a number of years, but uh, Jenny only had it for three and a half years before she passed away.
2: Mm. So any reasonable person could say, woe is me. I mean, this is highly unlikely one in a million or whatever the odds are, but yet you didn't, you know, have a pity party.
0: How did you, both of you, react to the news? Well, uh, it was obviously very uh, distressing to receive the news. Uh, it wasn't what we'd planned. Jenny mm. was just uh, had just turned fifty. Yeah, uh, you're you're middle aged. Yeah, having the whole rest of your life to live together. Yeah, and uh, so, but we made a commitment early on to say whatever the future holds, we will. Live it well. Every day we'll seek to live well. We'll make a commitment, even the dark days, to live it well. And there was lots of hope that, in fact, the treatment would be appropriate and in extending Jenny's life and who knows by um, advances in medical science whether there would be a cure. Mm-hmm. But uh, no treatment was long-term successful. Jenny had a whole range of different chemotherapy uh, regimes. She had radiation had two stem cell transplants, and uh, none of them was long-term successful. But through it all, we made a commitment to say, whatever happens, we will seek to live it well. Now, why did you make that
2: commitment? I mean, where did that commitment come
0: from? Well, uh, we wanted to represent Jesus well in whatever we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are things in life that come into our pathway and Uh, We wanted to make sure we responded well and even the difficult challenges of life, we wanted to make a positive contribution to each other and to the context in which we found ourselves. So we didn't want to be simply being defined by what happened to us, Mm. but actually making a wise choice every day to live as well as we could. Um, We were introduced to people and situations that we'd never encountered before and every every uh, one was an opportunity to invest, bless, learn, grow. Uh, I guess where we were optimists and wanted to make the most of every day.
2: Now, here you are, you're a pastor, you were a pastor at that time, encouraging people to grow in
0: their faith. Yeah. Did you have any doubts at that time? Sure, and and I reckon doubts are the ants in pants of faith. Hmm. And uh, what you do with your doubts, that's really important. So uh, let's acknowledge them, let's express them, let's explore them, and see if there are things that we can learn and grow through this. I think one thing that sometimes we as Christians forget is that
2: the Psalms are full of people who had doubts at times. Absolutely. Were yeah. they
0: comforting to you? They were. In fact, We had always uh, found scriptures a really important part of our daily life individually and as a couple and as a family, but uh, it was during these years that they became even more important and we would read them individually and also read them together. There were many promises of scripture that we looked at and explored. There were things that uh, we had perhaps taken um, almost without thinking about. And how do we make sense of that? We use the laments of the Psalms as Mm -hmm. well. And it was a way of saying, well, what does Scripture mean in this situation? Uh, We we wanted to pray for a miracle, and we did pray for a miracle. We had others praying. There were hundreds, thousands of people praying in this country and around the world. Mm -hmm. For Jenny to be healed physically, the cure never came. Mm -hmm. So we prayed for a miracle physically. It didn't come. There were periods of respite. But we prayed for grace for each day, and that came in bucket loads. Well, I'm going to ask you to put your pastor's
2: cap on. Yeah. And let's get into some theology. Yeah. Doesn't God say that he will answer prayers whenever two or more are gathered and asking his name? How did you handle that theology when your prayer wasn't answered?
0: Yeah. Well, that was a. Actually, I told you to put your pastor's cap on, but also be a human. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that was a challenge. Yeah. Uh, there were th- those sorts of promises. Uh, what does it mean to pray in Jesus name? And uh, my understanding is it's not simply to add on to the end of a sentence. We offer these prayers mm-hmm. in Jesus yeah. name, but yeah. at- actually to submit to His lordship and his leadership. And there may be things that we don't understand in terms of human reasoning. Um, there's a lot of mystery about suffering, even the the book of Job, is not so much about the mystery of suffering it's also the mystery of God hmm. making sense of some of the decisions that are made in life and uh, I w- and Jenny would have loved to have seen that physical cure and I remember Jenny saying I've still got more love to give hmm. and, uh, and yet we came to the point of saying even though we don't understand and even though we can't fully make sense of this we're willing to trust you and um, There was a saying that that I'm still trying to comprehend, that the love that planned Calvary can be trusted. And I think in Jesus' life, there were times when he was saying, I'm even shrinking back from what I'm facing. Uh, And if there was another way, uh, but I'm willing to trust you anyway. And so there there were aspects that we couldn't understand. There is a mystery about suffering that we couldn't fully comprehend. And it seemed that the answer to physical cure was not there. Uh, is it a cop-out to say Jenny's been totally healed and fully alive forever? Uh, we miss her greatly. Mm. And, uh, but we had to live with that
2: tension. One of the quotes that you said in a sermon not too long ago was, We came to accept that human facts are not all the facts, and so we suspended
0: judgment and tried to walk by faith is that pretty much sum up your attitude? Yeah, it is. And uh, whether there were some things that or some people that God wanted us to interact with and meet and share with that wouldn't have been possible had there been the physical cure, uh, we looked for meaning in that sort of way. And certainly there were other patients in hospital that Jenny connected with that we would never have met. There were doctors and medical staff that we connected with uh, that were really important part of our journey they become part of our community and there have been many people that I've had the privilege of walking with and Jenny had the privilege of walking with because we were going through the sort of thing that we had that might never have been the case had that not been our story.
1: You're listening to The Story, and today we're hearing Pastor Bill Brown from Sindal Baptist Church share how he and his wife Jenny spent their remaining time together after she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. We'll hear more of their story when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're continuing with Pastor Bill Brown chatting with Eric Scadabo about how he and his wife Jenny spent their remaining time together after she was diagnosed with a terminal illness. He's also sharing some of the spiritual insights he gleaned while going through this difficult journey.
2: Pastor Brown, you decided, the two of you decided to be intentional about making the most of your time together. Well, first off, how did life change when you got the news and then what were some of the intentional things that you did to make the most of the remaining time you had together.
0: Thanks, Eric. And certainly, that was our commitment to whatever time was left. And in fact, that's true for any of us, any time, because none of us has a guarantee on tomorrow. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, let's live each day. But some of the things that we ensured were that, in fact, I would uh, make sure that I was home more for times like lunch go for a walk with Jenny uh, mm-hmm. if she was up to walking uh, in the middle of the day because she wouldn't be up to it at the end of the day. So you had to be practical, okay, these are the limitations that we have to live within because yeah. this is her health condition. Yeah. So you had to make the most of life within those limits. Yeah. Another thing for Jenny was gardening. She loved gardening and despite her limited mobility and limited energy, uh, any chance we got I would seek to be out there in the garden with her and they were special times together. Uh, She loved being in nature so we would make times uh, to visit parks that had become very special to us as a family or as a couple. And uh, in the last months of her life she was often unable to get to worship and in fact sometimes found worship and crowds just overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So we would make sure that maybe our Sunday afternoon or something like that we would go to one of our favourite parks, in fact the park where we've scattered Jenny's Ashes that was a really important part of our journey as a couple. Mm. Sit there pray, read scripture um, either in a wheelchair or with a walker just uh, amble through enjoying those sorts of times family meals family gatherings were important both uh, with our immediate family our kids their partners and uh, and grandkids. well we only had one grandchild at that point and uh, so regularly coming together when she was able to Jenny would sit in the lounge we would share together maybe around the fire or whatever Uh, but what what special times they were And uh, there were times when our kids would uh, write letters to Jenny. Jenny wrote a letter to each of them. She would one-on-one spend time with them. Uh, We would pray together. Uh, Those were very special. Our extended family also, uh, her siblings, my siblings, her parents, my parents. Uh, We would make time to make sure that those were also scheduled into the diary In the last weeks of Jenny's life as well, we made sure that friends would visit. And one of the great blessings of that time was not only would they seek to support Jenny, but she had an amazing way of praying a blessing for them before they left. Well, let's talk about that. If I remember correctly, when she was nearing
2: the inn, she asked you for a a piece of paper and a pencil to write down some things?
0: Tell us that story. Uh, Several weeks before she died, uh, she was in hospital for the last time and uh, they weren't even sure that she would survive the weekend. But uh, she did survive the weekend. Various family and friends came in, not knowing whether that would be the last conversation. But it was her wish to die at home and so uh, we brought her home. But in that last week in hospital, she asked me to bring in a pen and paper and uh, that following Sunday, she wanted, if she possibly could, to get to church. Hadn't been for months, but she wanted to say thank you and farewell to the people of Sindal for the way that they had loved us extravagantly, shared the journey. And so she uh, dictated, I wrote down, and then uh, she did get home for the following weekend. We got her onto the stage at uh, at Sindal in a wheelchair, and she spoke for about seven minutes, uh, just reflecting on the journey thanking the people for their partnership in life uh for their support identifying too that there were days when she sensed that god was close and other days when he seemed far away but it also allowed her the opportunity to say it has given her a prompt to pray for people going through a similar journey that even when god seems far away that they would continue to trust and uh people said, Bill, I know that you've preached hundreds of sermons from this platform, but that's the most powerful message we've ever heard. I was just going to ask you what impact it had. Yeah. And then she sat in a wheelchair at the the door and shook hands with folk as they left. It was a very moving uh, day for us, but uh, very significant. And we played a portion of that uh, speech at her Thanksgiving service. And And people have been impacted and and inspired to seek to live life well, whatever the circumstances. Wow, that must have been very powerful.
2: And that was near the end of her time. Yeah. And at the very end, well, you didn't know. I mean, you didn't know if it would be two more days left or whatever. How do you spend life or how do you live life when you don't know if you're going to be with your wife another 48 hours? You don't know. And you want to have that final conversation.
0: Yeah. How do you do that? Well, certainly there were days or nights when I would awake not knowing whether she would be breathing or not. So wow. it meant that every day I wanted to affirm my love for her, uh, express that verbally, express it in, in ways of kindness, doing things with and for her. Uh, it meant that I wanted to make sure that I thanked her for the way that she had every day enriched my life challenged my life, uh, spurred me on uh, confronted me from time to time with things that needed to continue to be growing Uh, so I wanted to express my love for her, my thanks to her. I wanted to surround her with as many of those things that would breathe life into her, uh, whether that was family, uh, friends, music, art Uh, we had uh, some people come Some of our friends who would play and sing, uh, music therapists, that sort of thing. Mm. They were really important. Uh, Wanted to ask her any things that she wanted to say. In fact, as a family, we planned the funeral service and she had some goals for the service that would be uh, a way of welcoming people, that they would be well cared for, that they'd be offered comfort. Uh, So, we planned the service together as a mm-hmm. whole family. And was that healthy, a healthy oh, thing to do? fantastic thing to do, and I would encourage people to do that. Some few days before she died, she said, Bill, I'm tired, I'm ready to go. Uh, up until that point, she continued to believe and hope for a miracle. But uh, she was ready to face her maker. And in fact, uh, she made a decision many months before that. She was ready to die if that was the, the case, And that gave her a freedom to live because when you know that if you like that last door, uh, the preparation has been made, then you live each day really well. Uh, So that was an important step in her journey as well. Uh, We talked about things in terms of hopes, wishes for the family beyond her passing. Uh, What about relationships that I would have? All of those sort of things. Yeah, you actually had that conversation. In fact, we had it many years before she even got sick. So she told you what? She said, Bill, if either of us were to die, let's be free to, if God brings someone else into our life to do it. She did say, Wait a few months. <laughs> <laughs>
2: At least a few months, come on.
0: <laughs> but yeah, we certainly had those conversations, and it was important to talk with her about her hopes for the kids. In fact, one of our, our next grandchild was born the day after Jenny's Thanksgiving service. Oh, wow. And the last thing Jenny and I did is, when we went shopping was to buy some clothes for the little baby that was coming, and she had the opportunity of giving those to our son and daughter-in-law in anticipation of the birth of the little bub. So those were th- we cried together, we laughed together, mm. we prayed together, we read together. Um, yeah, there's no shortcut to grief, and we we experience grief. What what
2: does that mean?
0: Well, it means that uh, you can try and push it aside or try and stay strong. Some people say I mustn't cry. The more you love, the more you you uh, sense so grief. Just cry. Absolutely, um, cry together, laugh together, um, and grieve and, your losses. Yeah, and grief's normal, natural. Mm-hmm. Um, hurts like. Anything, mm. but it's also healing, and we we grieved for dreams that wouldn't be fulfilled, yeah, uh, for children, grandchildren that Jenny wouldn't see, uh, and now we've we've got uh, seven and other ones on the way. She would have loved those experiences
2: because I think there's a tendency. Well, it's uncomfortable. I mean, somebody dying—that's uncomfortable. Yeah,
0: but it sounds like you pushed through that, and that's, you just talked about it, just frankly. Uh, and and the kids would often come in, sit on Jenny's bed, our bed and talk about things, uh, we would cry together. So we wanted our kids to be right up to date with everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to share that with our church community as well. And so there would be regular prayer updates that one of my colleagues would send out. That was a great help. They loved us extravagantly, which was fantastic.
2: Okay, now looking back on that remaining time that you had together, anything that you would have done differently or anything that you strongly recommend?
0: Uh, I don't think I have any regrets except that I recognised that I needed to say sorry to Jenny for not being as thoughtful, as kind at different times, uh, insensitive perhaps in those times. But we, we kept short accounts like that. And uh, I'm grateful that I thanked her every day for the love that she invested in me. I expressed my love to her every day verbally and practically mm. And because uh, none of us knows whether we'll be with our spouse or kids today or tomorrow. So let's uh, let's live in light of the fact that uh, none of us has that guarantee. Pastor Bill Brown, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your journey with us today. My pleasure. And if I can be of any encouragement to anyone else, love to do that.
1: That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Pastor Bill Brown from Sindal Baptist Church, about the years that led up to his wife Jenny's death. As he shared, he's definitely not an expert in any of this, but he would love to be an encouragement to anyone going through a similar experience. You can reach Pastor Bill through the Sindel Baptist Church website, www.sb.org.au. That's www.sb.org.au. Well, thanks for joining us for this enlightening discussion. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. And the Soviet Union collapses, and we got the first six Kazakh visas issued mm. in Beijing. And people, when we got to Kazakhstan, were committing suicide, jumping off balconies, shooting each other dead in the streets. It was like an Armageddon,
2: the suffering.
1: Missionaries Doug and Anna Boyle are fair dinkum Aussie heroes of the faith. Through drug rehabilitation centres and education, they have impacted the lives of thousands in Kazakhstan and beyond. We'll hear their incredible journey next time. The The story Just Another Way Vision is Connecting Faith to Life.